0: Well, good morning, everybody from around the world. I'm Father Chris Alar uh, here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. And it's an honor and a joy to be with you for New Year's Eve as we're getting ready to say goodbye to 2022 ask for many graces for 2023 we have a crowd here today we're welcomed uh to join uh all of us in praying this important topic to mary the mother of god in understanding how and why we can say that and dispute I found a video I'm going to play for you that is just, it blows my mind. So stay with us because we're going to talk about a bunch of new stuff and a little memories of some of the old stuff or a little review of some of the old stuff. But let us begin. You've probably heard the news. Um, We lost uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI, who just passed away early this morning. Um, let us pause but a moment in brief silence and then say a prayer for the repose of his soul. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us. Give us the life and example of a disciple of Christ. We also pray at this time for the church, for the repose of the soul of Benedict Sixteenth that you may forgive him any sins and welcome him into everlasting life. And Mother Mary, be his guide and show him the way to your son. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, God bless you. You know, tomorrow I am going to say a few more words on Pope Benedict. I'm doing the homily. We'll be doing the Mass Here for New Year's Day, which, remember, is a holy day of obligation, but it fell on Sunday this year, so you don't have to go the extra time. But, you know, the day after Pope Benedict became pope, he addressed the cardinals, and he put his pontificate and the church under Mary. I find it interesting that he died on the vigil of the biggest Marian feast day. Mary, the mother of God. You know, he made an act of entrustment to Mary that very first day. Really, Mary consecration—that's what it is. Um, he focused on the motherliness of Mary. How ironic! How beautiful that—that's what we're going to be talking about today. <clears throat> it's perfect again, being for the vigil um, of the, of the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God, that he passed away on the vigil. And in fact, I, I was reading this morning where he said, the older I get, the more important Mary becomes for me. Um, and so he basically called Mary's school, one of femininity and motherly goodness, which we are losing today right? And so uh, basically he said, Mary is an expression of the closeness of God. He talked about Cana, and that's one of the videos, the sh- video that I'm told you is so shocking that I want to, I want to share with you it was also about Cana, but in the opposite direction. Um, Mary explains uh, the church's relationship with Christ, Pope Benedict said. Um, so anyway, more to come on that, but we just wanted to begin today and to acknowledge um, what Pope Benedict had done um, and to place him in the arms of Our Lady. Now, the topic of today, as we showed you, is a whole new one. A few things we'll review during this, but some new topics here or new content, and that is Mary, the Mother of God. Now, as you saw there, um, we're also going to be talking about co-redemptress, co-mediatrix. These are titles that are confusing to people and scare non-Catholics, Like crazy. So we're going to talk about this now. It is a holy day of obligation. Now, this year it fell on Sunday, so you get your two for one. But don't look at it that way. You should always see the beauty of this day. So this holy day of obligation. Um we pray uh, at this time for her intercession. Now, um, I've always talked about taking you back to seminary with me as it was the best time of my life. And I remember sitting in seminary class and just saying, we need to share this with the world. And one of the things that um, I had was a Mariology class. Actually, I had a couple of them. And next to Christology, the study of Christ, Mariology, the study of Mary and her involvement in our Catholic doctrine is fascinating every Catholic should be taught this every Catholic and I pull out the notes I I did the research I worked with like I said Chris Sparks and others trying to get the best way to present this and I think this is a beautiful way to summarize Our Lady okay now One of the things I came across was actually an article by Tim Staples. How can Mary be the mother of God? And he does a good job of summarizing the three main objectives. And I, I think this is a good place to start. So I'm going to take those three objectives and then expand on it and add my own content because these are common. All right. The first nowhere in scripture, sacred scripture, does it call Mary the mother of God. You Catholics are off base. That's the first objective. The second, in the first chapter Luke, Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord, not the mother of my God. And Lord was a term used for earthly humans. So that's the second objective. Third, Protestants, non-Catholics, make the point that it is impossible for God to have a mother. Why? Because God is a trinity, and if Mary is the mother of God, she is the mother of the trinity, which is impossible. Now, unless we know our faith, and you're sitting there at the cocktail party (laughs) for your Christmas office cocktail party, you're going to be out of luck, because unless we know our faith, we don't know how to respond to those things. All right, let's start with the first one. The first objection is kind of easy. Just because something is not in the Bible doesn't mean it isn't true. Just because something is not in the Bible also would, we would have to conclude that multiple other essential Christian doctrines are erroneous because they're not in the Bible. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word hypostatic union is not in the Bible. But yet Protestants all believe that. They believe in the Trinity. They believe in hypostatic union. But where's that in the Bible? It's not. All right. So these are the things. Nuclear war. I point these out all the time. Artificial intelligence, transgenderism. They're not in the Bible. But does that mean that morally they're unimportant? Does it mean they don't exist? It's it's preposterous. Of course, we don't want to fall into that trap. So the basic question that a non-Catholic should ask, rather than show me verbatim where it's in the Bible, the Bible says itself that not everything's in the Bible. It's the last chapter of the Gospel of John. But ask this, is the concept of Mary, the mother of God, in Scripture? Ah, let's talk about that. That's what we're going to talk about. You'll see that it is. All right. So the first one's easy. Second one is a little bit more tough. What is the second objective or uh, 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 objection? And that is Lord. You can't say just because Elizabeth said, how is it that the mother of my Lord, Lord was used to be humans, not just God. Well, here's the thing. The word kairos, Kyrios, I should say, or Lord can, yes, mean humans like a master, the Lord of the vineyard. All right. This is, or a slave trader. This is, this was a Lord. This is why Jesus said to the apostles, don't Lord it over them. Don't be, don't be oppressive masters. Right? So yes, it can donate humanity, but it isn't always that way. It can mean divinity. Let's take a look here. All right. That doesn't contradict scripture. All right. The Greek translation. Let's give you a couple examples. First of all, the Septuagint. What is the Septuagint? The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. All right. And so they use the word kurios in place of Yahweh. Because why? The Jews didn't speak the name. The Jews didn't use the word Yahweh. So in the Hebrew scriptures, they said Kyrios, which means Lord. That's the same word that Elizabeth said. Kyrios, the Greek, Lord. And they use it for Yahweh, God. All right. The Jews were well accustomed for using Lord in regards to divinity. What about St. Paul? Jesus is the one Lord God Almighty. Here we're not talking about just human. Yahweh is not even incarnate, but they used Lord for Yahweh. 1 Corinthians 8:6. This curios is being used to show divinity. Why? Yet to us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and from whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through him we exist. So catch that. Two key points. Jesus is called one Lord and creator of all things. That means he is God because he's creator of all things. You could say, well, if he called him Lord, that means Paul said he's human. No, Paul called him Lord and creator of all things. That means Lord has to mean God here. So there's no doubt that it refers to God's, Or Lord means divine. So every Jew knew the truth. The Shema, right? This is Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. At that time, there was no Jesus, but they called it Lord. So there's only one Lord in Israel. Jesus is that one Lord is what 1 Corinthians says. And so let's look at our next slide. And I passed up, I think that missed the second one. Solemnity, the mother of God, we already talked about. That was the next slide. All right, now, here's one thing I want to show you. You know that word Kyrios? I was doing research on it this morning. You know what? Look at that slide. It was shocking to me. I typed in the word Kyrios and all over the internet, no mention of Mary or God or Mary, the mother of God. I guess you could just say God himself. But it's all Cirque du Soleil. It's, look at this image of this, whatever you call that, woman, and it's called the Cabinet of Curiosities. Curios. And so even like the rainbow being hijacked, this is being hijacked. It's totally twisting it. Look at that image. They're turning it into a circus. And they're misusing it. That's the the, the true Greek meaning of that word is Lord, is God. And so the word curious or the title, curios, um, applied to Christ as the creator of all things is clearly a title for his divinity or else he wouldn't be creator. It is this that Elizabeth was saying. There are at least two reasons we know that Elizabeth was referring to Jesus as divine, mother of my Lord, meaning divine, meaning God. First, Elizabeth was referring almost exactly from the term in 2 Samuel 6, 9. What did David say when he saw the Ark of the Covenant? How is it that the Ark of my Lord should come to me? What did Elizabeth say? She mirrors 2 Samuel. How is it? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. It's almost verbatim, almost verbatim. David says, how is it that the ark of my Lord should come to me? Mary says, how is it that the mother, Elizabeth says, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's why the church fathers called Mary the new ark of the covenant. All right. When Elizabeth said, granted, why is this granted to me? Um, This was Luke 1st. Uh, chapter of Luke 42. She was now being revealed as the new Ark of the Covenant. Remember, both Arks are divine. The Ark of the Covenant held the divine law of God, the, the stone tablets, the divine law of God, and the new Ark of the Covenant holds the, the spirit of, the, of, of God in the flesh. Now the law has come flesh. Now it says, John leapt in front of Mary as David danced in front of the old ark. Now David's dancing in front of the new ark. We talked about that before. I won't go over that. Now let's look at our next slide. All right. This is the old ark brought that God brought, or I should say where God was brought in the law and the new ark brings God in the flesh. So what do we see there? The ark on the left, the old law, the ark in the flesh, the new law. And so first... Luke, Elizabeth, gives us the revelation as Mary as the new ark, and it houses God. So she is revealing here the Theotokos, the other Greek word for mother of God. Elizabeth calls her mother of my Lord. That's the connection. It means divinity here. If we were to divide deny Mary as mother of God and saying she's only the mother of the man, Jesus Christ, you either deny his divinity as the Arians did, or you say Jesus was two persons. Then you'd have four persons in the Trinity. Jesus is not a divine and a human person. He's one person with two natures. We'll talk about that more. We've talked about that before. Jesus was not a human person. People always get shocked when they hear me say that. I learned that in Christology class. In fact, when I was in seminary, funny story, I called the teacher a heretic because the teacher taught me, he said, was Jesus Christ a human person? And I said, of course. And he said, no. I'm like, that's heresy. No, Jesus Christ was not a human person. Jesus Christ was a divine person with a human nature. You see the divine person of the second person of the Trinity, the second person was and always has been divine. And with him, he has a divine nature. Okay, he's a divine person with a divine person. Remember, I'll I'll review this for you. This is the one review part. What is a person? What is a nature? Okay, a person is who you are. Um, I'm a person. I am Father Chris. That's who I am. Different from all of you. I'm a different person than you. And you always hear that when the the girl breaks up. You think, we're just different people. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we are. We're, We're different people. I'm Father Chris. You're Karen or you're Tanya. Or you're Robert, whoever you might be, you're a different person. <clears throat> the person is who you are, the nature is what you are. And we all share in the nature of humanness. We are human, we have a human nature, but we are a different person. Now, God, the second person of the Trinity, has always been a divine person. Who is He? The second person of the Trinity. And with that comes His divine essence, Godness. It's been that way for all eternity. What happened when He became a man? That same second person of the Trinity that had the divine essence or nature called Godness, then was born of a woman and assumed human nature. He didn't become a human person or we'd have four people in the Trinity. He assumed a human nature, the whatness, and he became like us in all things. So when Mary gave birth, she didn't give birth to a person, or excuse me, a nature, she gave birth to a person. And that person was divine. And that is why we can call Mary the mother of God. One divine person, two natures. Jesus Christ in the catechism is defined as one person, two natures. That the one person is divine. The two natures are human and divine. That's why he's fully God and fully man in his nature. But as one person is divine. I am one human person and I have a human essence, human nature. I don't have anything else. But if I became a cat, then I would assume catness, and I'd be one person with two natures, catness and humanness. Doesn't happen. It only happened when Christ did it, when God did it, because only He has the power to do it. So as much as I want to relate to being a cat, and no matter how much I want to relate to being a, a shark, I can't, okay, only God has that power and when that divine person who had a divine nature came to earth, he assumed a human nature by the Blessed Virgin and she gave birth to that one person who already had a divine nature, she gave birth to him, he assumed a human nature and now we have the God-man, thus we call Mary the Mother of God because that one person she gave birth to is divine. Divine, with a human nature, he's everything like us. Okay, now let's go on. That was your little review. All right, so if we deny this, that Mary's the mother of God, then you have to say, well, then she's the mother of Jesus, the person. Well, the problem is if you say Jesus is a human person, now you have four persons in the Trinity. You have God the Father, one, Jesus the divine person, two, Jesus the human person, three, and the Holy Spirit, four you would have four people in the Trinity. No! Jesus is one person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all divine persons. That divine person assumed a human nature. Now, this is it. Jesus, I mean, this whole thing, this is why I'm taking you back to seminary because this is powerful stuff. You know, that second objective makes it clear. When Elizabeth said, the mother of my Lord... Is she's talking divine. All right, let's go to that third objection. If God is Trinity and Mary is the mother of God, she'd be the mother of the Trinity. And that is impossible. All right, that's impossible. How do we object or how do we answer that objection? All right, first of all, paragraph 495 of the Catechism is clear. That mother, uh, Mary is the mother of the second person of the Trinity. Because neither the Father nor the Holy Spirit ever became incarnate. So Mary can't give birth to the Father or the Son. They did not become incarnate. So paragraph 495 makes this clear. That's simple enough. But even if Mary, all right, listen to this, is only the mother of the second person of the Trinity. Somebody wants to argue with you you can say, well, he's still eternal too. Okay, I grant you. I grant you, Mr. Catholic, that Mary's only the mother of the second person of the Trinity because the Father didn't become incarnate, the Holy Spirit didn't become incarnate. I give it to you. I give you that Mary's only the mother of the second person of the Trinity. But the problem is he's still eternal. So now you're telling me Mary has to be eternal. All right? This is the problem. No. Okay? This is the problem. Mary... Okay. This whole thing is rooted in a problem of false understanding, what is meant by motherhood. All right, when we say Mary was the mother, by saying Mary is the mother, the Catholic Church is not saying Mary is the source or the creator of God, the second person, or she's among the three persons of the Trinity, or she came before them, or she even became before the second person of the Trinity. No, no. But she doesn't have to be in order to be a mother. This whole basis is a misunderstanding of what motherhood means. All right. My mom is a mom. All right. All right. My mom is my mom. But this does not mean that she's the source of my immortal soul. She didn't create my immortal soul. My mom's my mom. I call her mother. My mom doesn't watch the TV much anymore, but every once in a while, she'll, she'll see something. And, and I have to laugh because uh, God bless her and my mom. Your prayers, I, I'm so thankful. My, my, my mom has been doing amazing, um, and she really has. It's been almost a miracle, but once in a while, she'll say some things that's so 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 cute. And so my mom and the other dad called to see how she was doing, and my mom asked me, am I still on the Czechoslovakian National Gymnastics Team?" (laughs) And I said, No, Mom, I'm not on the Czechoslovakian National Gymnastics Team. But how funny, her father was. Her father was. So she's still making these connections, you know? So how beautiful, how beautiful that is. Well, anyway, So my mom is mom, but that does not mean that she's the source of my immortal soul. God had me created in mind. Remember Ephesians, I, I knew you in the womb before in the womb for the the beginning of time. God knew us. We do not conclude then that my mom is merely just the mother of my body. Well, she's not the mother of your soul, which we prove she's not. Well, then that must mean she's just the mother of my body. No, because my body includes my soul. So when we say Mary's mother, we're talking about she's the mother of the body and the soul, although she did not create it. So Mary being mother, you can't say, well, that's false because she couldn't have created God's soul. God created way before. No, my mom didn't create my soul, but she also didn't give birth to just my body. She gave birth to my person, which is body and soul. Mary gave birth to the person of the second birth of the Trinity, which was his body and soul. And so his divineness had always existed. didn't matter. My soul, my mom didn't create, but she's still my mom. All right? She is my mother, period. She did not give birth to just a body. She gave birth to a person who is a body-soul composite, me, Father Chris. All right? And so though Mary did not provide Jesus with either his divine nature or his immortal human soul, she still is his mother, because she did not give birth to just his body. He was a composite like we are. She gave birth to a person, and that person was a a person with an essence, with a nature, and that person was divine. Therefore, we can call Mary the mother of God, not mother that she created, now, I want to show you a video. Uh, yeah. Now, we are obligated. I, I talked to my spiritual director. He says, when you see falsehood, you are obligated to call it out. Well, I, I could stand here for the next 100 years and call out falsehoods. But the, the problem with this is it's leading our beautiful Catholics astray. I want to show you this video. It's only a minute and a half by a John MacArthur, and in this video, is shocking. Shocking. Let's take a look at it real quick, and then I'll come back and mention a few words about it.
1: Roman Catholic Church teaches that you don't wanna go to Jesus if you need something. You wanna go to Mary to ask Jesus. The whole idea that you go to Mary to plead with Jesus Because Jesus can't resist Mary comes from this passage. Can you believe that? Oh, by the way, never mind that she was rebuked by him for asking. (laughs) This is the only time in the New Testament that Mary ever made any request to Jesus. And he responded by saying, none of your business. But this is where the Catholic Church finds the fountain of its Mariolatry, going to Mary to get things from Jesus. Verse 4, after Mary says to Him, they have no wine, Jesus said to her, woman, (laughs) woman? Not mother? It's not harsh to say woman. Some say it's kind of the southern expression, ma'am. It's not harsh, but it's not intimate. It's not mother. It's courteous. By the way, it's the same word that He used on the cross in John 19 when He said to her, woman, behold your son, and handed her over to John. He called her woman there as well. Why? Because He is telling her, we don't any longer have the relationship we've had up to now. It's over.
0: Okay, so thank you for watching that. Now, I did some research in this. John MacArthur is labeled as the greatest biblical scholar in the United States of America. All you have to do is watch that minute and fifty-second clip to question uh, that. First of all, we have an obligation to defend the truth. And when he says Catholics teach that you do not need to go to Jesus. That's false. Catholics have never taught that. Mary helps us to do what? Get to Jesus. We're not avoiding Jesus. I don't know where you say that we don't need to go to Jesus. Of course we do. We just ask for Mary's help to get there. Secondly, Mariolatry is called Mariology. Okay, that's a big thing. He says, talking about Mary at Cana, he says, Jesus rebuked her, said, I'm not interested in you. Really? You know, he left out kind of an important part that Jesus said, it's not my time, but as she asked him to do it, he did it. Does not that kind of make you think that maybe Mary has some intercessory grace? Jesus wasn't going to do it. He didn't mention that part. All right. Then he goes on to say, this is none of your business. Really? Really? Jesus would look at his own mother and say, get out of here. This is none of your business. And then the best one is his understanding of woman. He says he doesn't even call her mother. His whole point is trying to disprove mother, the mother, Mary, the mother of God and says that he doesn't even call her mother, he just calls her woman, dismisses her woman. Well, sorry, Mr. Biblical scholar of the greatest in the United States, do you not recognize what the word woman means? It is the most endearing of all terms he could have possibly used because it connects her to the new Eve. It makes her the new Eve to undo everything that was messed up in the garden with the fall of the woman. Remember, who fell in the garden? Was it the man or the woman? You've heard me say this. I always laugh when I teach my seventh grade catechism. The boys always say the girl fell and the girls always say the boy messed up. The point is both. Satan didn't overthrow just the man. Satan didn't overthrow just the woman. Satan overthrew both sexes. And so it will take both sexes to redeem humanity from Satan. This is St. Justin Martyr. This is St. Justin Martyr. So, this deemed greatest biblical scholar in America seems to not understand. That the term woman is one of the most biblically important things Jesus could have spoken to her because it connects her back to be Eve, to undo the knot that Eve caused us. It's a direct real uh, uh, designation to Genesis 3:15. That's it, boggles my mind. And then he says, he says, and then on the cross, or uh, I'm sorry, at he basically says woman on the cross means why did he say woman? And he gave her to John. Can you believe that comment? He said, Jesus gave her to John on the cross because basically woman, we're done. We have no relationship anymore. Really? The Lord God incarnate would totally break the fourth commandment? Would totally shudder the fourth commandment and dishonor her? That was what was just said. Woman, we have no relationship anymore. I am done with you. My goodness. So I started reading the comments. The very first comment I read says, that is why I'm an ex-Catholic. You know, we got to step up here, everybody, because these are souls being lost and we're letting it happen right in front of ourselves. That's why I felt it was important to point this out. I'm not condemning him personally. I think he means well. I think he loves God, he does. But please be careful not condemning something that you fully and completely do not understand. You do not understand Catholic teaching if you say that we say we don't need Jesus, and you do not understand the scripture if you think Jesus calling a woman is dismissing her her and saying, I have no use for you anymore. We are done, we have no relationship. You are (laughs) way off. And so this is what we as Catholics have to do. We have to call out the truth and help bring our brothers and sisters back. Well, I don't come to the church because I can't get past Mary. Really? Do you know who Mary was? Do you know what Mary stands for? Do you know why God gave her the gift to us? Because if you listen to stuff like that, you will leave the Catholic church. And there goes the grace and necessary that we need for salvation. If you want to see that understanding, I have another talk on it called The Church, Is It Necessary for Salvation? You can find it on YouTube. But anyway, let's pray. So now let's go to the early church. What did they believe? Okay, that's another thing this guy didn't mention. How about 2,000 years of church teaching about Mary? Do we just dismiss that? Do we just pretend it doesn't exist? Fundamentalists are sometimes horrified when Mary is called the mother of God. Let's talk about this. A woman is a man's mother. What makes you a mother? All right. What makes you a mother is if you carried a person in your womb or if you were the woman who gave half of the genetic matter to that baby, meaning it was conceived in the natural way, not just a, what do they call it, surrogate mother. But if it was conceived in the natural way, you also supplied half the genetics. So either way is a mother. All right. Even the surrogates, they can be called a mother, even though that's not what we church teach is a good thing. But we do have the knowledge that it's a mother. Now, Mary was the mother of Jesus in which way that she carried him in her womb or that she supplied half the genetics because he was not conceived the natural way. So could that be a mother? Yes. Either one makes you a mother because Jesus had Mary's genetics and she carried him in her womb, okay? So she had both. In fact, that there was, since there was no natural father, she gave Jesus all his genetics. That makes her more mother than any person in human history. There is no mother in human history that gave more than half of another person's genetics. I only have half my mom's genetics. Half of me is my mom's genetics, the other half is my father. Nobody in human history has more. Jesus is the only one. He has 100% genetics in his humanity from Mary, because there was no father. She's more of a mother than anybody in human history. And this is very important. So she's the mother. She alone gave him his nature. Since Mary is Jesus' mother, it must be concluded that she is also the mother of God. Why? This is easy. Because Mary's the mother of Jesus. Jesus is God. Therefore, Mary's the mother of God. That's easy. But it goes deeper, right? All right. But she is not older than God. We said this. Or the source of his divinity. She is neither. Right. We said this. Rather, we say that she is the mother of God in the sense that she carried in her womb a divine person, even if it was not conceived in the natural way. That makes her a mother. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. This is 2 John 7 and 1 John 1 14. And in the sense that she contributed that that was the whole meaning God in the flesh. And in the fact that this means that she contributed the genetic matter to the human form that God took in Jesus Christ. That makes her mother. Let's look at our next slide. All right. This is what's powerful. Okay, Jesus was a divine person with a divine nature and then assumed a human nature. All right, we talked about this. All right, this is the hypostatic union. All right. That's what you see on your screen. You hear the term, what does it mean? Jesus in one person fused divinity with humanity. Godness with humanness. Not being a human person, he was a divine person, but he he merged them together. Now, why is that important? Okay, this is critically important, okay? So, he assumed this human nature, this hypostatic union. To avoid coming to this conclusion, fundamentalists assert that Mary did not carry God in her womb. Just the human person, Jesus, but he wasn't two persons. So all the fundamentalists that want to say Mary did not carry God in her womb, who did she carry? Well, she carried the human person, Jesus. No, because there was no human person, Jesus. He was the divine person, one person who assumed a human nature. She gave birth to one person. So this is the fact Mary did not carry, they say, God in her womb, but only carried Christ's human nature. Guess what, everybody? That is the heresy of Nestorianism. This fails because the mother does not carry just a human nature. She does not give birth to a nature. She carries a person, and that person was divine, is divine. Women do not give birth to human natures, all right? They give birth to persons, and Mary thus carried Jesus and gave birth to the person of Jesus, and the person she gave birth to, as I said, is divine. Therefore, we call her mother of God. The Nestorians, they claim that Mary did not give birth to a unified person of Jesus Christ. They separated Jesus' human person from his divine person. That's not two persons, it's heresy. All right, two natures, yeah, not two persons. All right, so they, they created the Nestorian, separate and distinct persons, one divine person, one human person. That again would mean there's four people in the Trinity, heresy. All right, therefore, I learned in my Christology class that even the Protestant reformers knew this. All right, Martin Luther and John Calvin insisted that Mary was the mother of God. Did you know that? You know, if you take nothing else out of this talk, when somebody tells you there's a, it's a heresy to call Mary the mother of God, ask them what John Calvin and Martin Luther said. Because John Calvin and Martin Luther insisted that Mary was the mother of God. Somehow Mary got thrown in the gutter during the Protestant Reformation. All right. In fact, do you know Nestorius himself, the guy who the heresy is named after? He didn't believe it. <laughs> this could be the first time I've ever heard that. That the guy the heresy is named after didn't believe. it. It's kind of like Roe v. Wade. You know, Jane Roe actually ended up coming back and said, abortion hurts people after her name was used all over in favor of abortion. So anyway, the Nestorian Church now, believe it or not, there's a Nestorian Church, has now signed a joint declaration on Christology with the Catholic Church that recognizes Mary as the mother of God. The Nestorian Church even recognizes it. I find that hilarious. So they say basically denying Mary's is God's mother implies doubt that Jesus is divine. Because if you say she gave birth to Jesus Christ, which nobody denies, but you say she wasn't the mother of God, you deny his divinity. So this is until recent times had never been a problem. Now it's become a problem. So let's go farther. Let's talk about this. What about the early Christians? Let's look at this next slide. You know, to me, the number one thing we should do is say before we form our own conclusions and go against church teaching, why don't you look at what the church for 2,000 years has taught? Do we really think we know better than 2,000 years of Christianity? Let's look at this. The early Christians referred to Mary in two ways. Two names. One, the virgin. Now, what did that mean? Yeah, it meant the virginal conception of Jesus, but it also meant her perpetual virginity. When they called her the Virgin Mary. They would even say the Virgin Mary was at the, at the cross when Jesus died. Well, wait a minute. Jesus is 33 years old now. If Mary was now, okay, she might have been a virgin when she conceived him. Protestants will tell you that. But she didn't remain a virgin after. Well, the Protestant fathers don't recognize that all of the patristics and the church fathers in the history of Christianity called her the Virgin Mary at the cross. This is amazing. Also, they called her the mother of God. This is the first and foremost truth about Mary. All other things about her flow from this. All right, listen to this. Jesus is truly the son of God. And Mary is repeatedly referred to in scripture as the mother of Jesus. Matthew 2, John 2, Acts 1. So Mary is truly the mother of God made man. St. Paul witnesses to the divine maternity when he states to the Galatians, listen to this, Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. Well, that doesn't tell me anything, Father. Really, listen to this. Early Christians never claimed that Mary was the mother of God in heaven before he came to earth. That's impossible. Mary is a creature, and that creature can't bring into existence a divine person. All right? The divine person is eternal. Mary came into existence at her own conception. We know this. But by calling her the mother of God, the early Christians said that she was the mother of the divine son of God in his human form, but still God, a divine person, just incarnate now in the flesh. So let's look at Dr. Miravalli who teaches at Franciscan, where I went. Let me read you his quote. What precisely does Mary give to Jesus in her act of motherhood? First of all, Mary did not give Jesus his divine nature. People are trying to accuse Catholics of saying that. It's not Catholic teaching. Nor did Mary give Jesus his divine personhood. That's what non-Catholics are saying by us calling Mary the mother of God. We're not saying Mary gave him his divine personhood. Both of these divine aspects of Jesus Christ existed for all eternity. However, when in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman, this is Galatians four four, Mary gave to Jesus a human nature identical to her own. And that nature was attached to a divine person. That human nature was attached to a divine person. Therefore, the hypostatic union and that person is God divine. Therefore, Mary gave birth to God, not created. All right. On the other hand, it would not be true to say that Mary was the mother only of Christ's human form. This is what non-Catholics tell us. Mary gave birth to just Jesus's humanity. Here's the problem, everybody. You can't give birth to a human nature. That's the only thing that was human about Jesus, his human nature. And you don't give birth to a human nature. My mom didn't give birth to humanity, humanness. It already existed. My mom gave birth to the person, Chris. My mom did not give birth to human nature. That already existed. My mom didn't give birth to humanness, what makes us human. That already existed. She gave birth to me as a person. Who am I? Chris. Who did she give birth to? Chris. She didn't give birth to my nature. That nature already existed. And so mothers do not give birth to human nature in the abstract, but to persons with a nature. Does that make sense? Because a real human nature always has to belong to someone. It's not independent. It has to be someone's human nature that is born. In this case, the someone was the divine person, the son of God. It was the divine son himself holding on to a human nature, assuming a human nature that was present in Mary's womb and was born. This is why we can say Mary was the mother of God because the son of God received his human flesh from her and was born from her. She gave birth to a divine person with a human nature. All right, let's see how the catechism summarizes. This is good. Next slide. This is uh, from the Catechism uh, 495. Listen to this. Called in the Gospels the mother of Jesus, Mary is acclaimed by Elizabeth as the mother of my Lord. We talked about that. In fact, the one whom she conceived as man by the Holy Spirit was none other than the Father's eternal Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Hence, the church confesses that Mary is truly the mother of God. All right, now we're going to get to some good stuff about the queen. Is Mary queen of heaven? Is Mary co-redemptress? Is Mary co-redeemer or or redemptress? Is Mary co-mediatrix? This is good stuff. All right, now, Revelation 12, we know this. The sign appeared in the sky, woman clothed in the sun. All right, this this is important because this is a basis of who Mary was. She's the queen of heaven. It's said that she was crowned with 12 stars. It says so she was in the sky. There appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, head, a crown of 12 stars. Well, wait a minute. She's in the sky. She's in heaven. She's crowned with 12 stars. She must be a queen. All right. So Mary, mother of God, is also queen of heaven. She's also the new Eve. We just explained that. Jesus called her woman. She's also the mother of all of us. And we'll talk about that. All of Mary's titles can be traced back to being the divine mother, excuse me, the mother of the divine mother of God. All right, she was prepared from that for an unheard of honor. Now, I'm getting through here, last part of this talk. All grace that enters the world comes from where? Oh, you Catholics teach it comes from Mary. Wrong. This is what we're told, just like we heard in the video. All grace enters the word through Jesus Christ. But how did Jesus Christ come to the world? Through Mary. From her, he received his body, his blood, his human soul. The only thing he brought to the table was his divinity, which is everything. God created his human soul, too, because God had that. Now, the incarnation, by the incarnation, humanity is offered a way back to God the Father. Guess how? Through Jesus. But how did Jesus come to the world? Through Mary. You know, we become adopted sons. And this is why Mother Mary is the mother of all of us. Like Jesus on the cross, take your mother. All church fathers agree, all of them, that John represented all of us when Jesus said, take her into your home. That means your heart. All right, we may become partakers of the divine nature because Jesus became a partaker of the human nature. 2 Peter 1.4. Let's look at our next slide. This is interesting. All right. Because she is the mother of divine prince of peace, do you know what today is? Today, January 1st, is the world day of peace. Look at this picture. This is all over the United Nations right now. Touting the World Day of Peace. Says it right there, January 1st. The World Day of Peace. You know why? They don't even know that God is the source of everything. They don't even know it. Mary is the mother of the Prince of Peace. That's another name for Jesus. And so January 1st, being the mother of God, is also this world day of peace in the church or in the world. This day, the church prays for peace because our lady was the mother of God, and this Jesus is also the prince of peace. So we call it the prince, the day of peace. This comes from the prince of peace. Our lady then becomes Peace. She brought peace to the world. What about Fatima? I will come, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, and I will bring peace. So Mary is also the mother of mercy, unparalleled in God's plan. Now listen to this. This is Dr. Stackpole. We also call Mary the mother of mercy. That's my personal favorite title of Mary, mother of mercy. All right. The mother of mercy. This is her, to me, whenever I pray and I finish the morning prayer with my staff, I always end it with, Our Lady, Mother of Mercy, pray for us. Because who is mercy? Jesus himself. Jesus is mercy. All right, here's the thing, everybody. One of the reasons that the church was not going to approve Divine Mercy Sunday was because they said that you can't make a feast on an attribute of God. A feast can only be based on a person, like the Feast of St. Thomas, or the Feast of St. Andrew. There can't be a feast called the Courage of St. Thomas or a feast on the Courage of St. Matthew. And so the church was originally going to say that we can't allow divine mercy because that's an attribute of God. We do not have a feast called the omnipotence of God, all-powerful. We do not have a church called the um, omnipresence of God, all-knowing, or omniscience, the omniscience of God, all-knowing. So the church had to sit down and understand what Faustina was talking about. Yes, divine mercy is an attribute of God, but it is also the person Jesus himself. I bet you never knew this. That is why our website is not divinemercy.org. What is our website? Thedivinemercy.org. Because Father Seraphim explained to the Vatican, and it went through all their theologians, he was right. God bless Father Seraphim. That divine mercy is not just an attribute of God, it's God himself. We say it in the prayer of the chaplet, Mercy itself. That is why when we say the divine mercy, we mean Jesus himself. The, very important. We don't say just divine mercy. That's the attribute. When you say the divine mercy, you're talking about the person. Now, this does not apply to the Ohio State University, okay? All right, I went to the Michigan University, right? No, come on. They're trying to hijack that too. So... We have to understand what and who God is. And this is, the, the, this is the, what's most powerful. All right, so going on this, this leads to her also being called co-redemptrix and the mediatrix of all graces. All right, this scares a lot of people. How dare you Catholics put Mary on the level of Jesus? We don't. co that means it is you are putting her equal to God. Yeah, I can see where you would think that. Because if I'm the co-founder of a company, it means I shared it with others, all right? But do you know what co really means? Co in Latin is cum, C-U-M. And that means with, not equal to with. And so Dr. Mark Maravalli explains as he says, sacred scripture reveals the role of the blessed mother as co-redemptrix, not meaning equal that she is the mediator. Only Jesus is the mediator, but she gets us to Jesus. That is a form of mediation. He, she is not the mediator between man and God, the father, only Jesus is that, but she's the mediator between you and me and Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father, but there are many ways to Jesus. How did Peter get to Jesus? Through Andrew, his brother. How did I get to Jesus? Through my dad, who every Sunday when I was a real little kid, real little kid, when I came to church, I was not allowed to have toys and trucks and Cheerios. (laughs) I stood with the congregation. I knelt with the congregation. I wore a coat and tie. I was four years old. I even used to try to hold the hymnal and pretend I knew how to read it. I still can't sing it, but at least I pretended when I was four. And my dad brought me to the faith because every single mass, when that priest elevated the host, my dad would lean over to me, would whisper to me. Now is when Jesus is entering the host. And I always laugh because, is that correct? No, he was wrong. <laughs> Jesus does not enter the host. The host becomes the body and blood of Christ. Jesus doesn't come into it. The host, but my dad gets an A for effort. Okay? Now it's so funny because now I'm correcting my father. <laughs> Here, my dad was teaching me as a four year old. And so, how did I come to know Jesus? My father. Oh, you can't call him a mediator. There's only one mediator. No, my dad was a mediator. He was the mediator to bring me to Jesus. Now Jesus is the only way to the father. My dad can't take me to salvation. My dad cannot take me back to the eternal Trinity that God had. And my dad can't knock on the door of the Trinity and force me inside. He is not that mediator. Only Jesus Christ can bring us into the divine life of the Trinity. That's what it means by Jesus is the only mediator. Only Jesus can get you into the divine life of the Trinity. And that happens through the sacraments. Mary does not do that. But who brought me to Jesus? My father. That is a form of mediation. Anytime somebody says, will you pray for me? Oh, I can't. You're asking me to be a mediator. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not Catholic, but would you pray for my mom? I can't because that would make me a form of mediator. No, this is preposterous you got to go back to the Greek. This is why I'm so glad only in Catholic seminaries do seminarians learn Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. Because without it, you don't understand it. Just like this guy we just watched on the video. Now, I don't know for sure he didn't take Hebrew and Greek, but I would guess he didn't, because he would have certainly not said what he did about the meaning of Scripture. Now, we have in the Scripture what Paul talks about, there's one mediator, He doesn't use the word monos. If Christ, if he was talking about there's no mediation whatsoever of any kind, there's no mediation, only Jesus Christ, meaning in any form, that I can't intercede for you uh, by praying for you, only, no, you can't do that. Then Paul would use the word monos, meaning the one and only, there's no other. He used the word eos, E I S, Greek for meaning the primary in a line of many others to follow, subordinate. We are subordinate mediators. The very fact that you ask me to pray for you, I'm a subordinate mediator. The very fact that you ask somebody to help you, even if it's not faith related, if somebody says, Hey, would you put in a good word to the owner of your company? I'd like to get a job there. You're mediating. Now, if that, if no form of mediation was ever allowed, that would mean you got to call Jesus and say, Jesus, do you think you could send an email to that, to that president of that company to get me a job? Well, Jesus said your, uh, your next-door neighbor works there. Use them. No, that's a ridiculous argument. And, and yet, this is the whole basis of anti-Catholicism. It's a lack of understanding. As Fulton Sheen said, millions of people hate what they think is the Catholic Church. Only a very few, if none, hate what is actually the Catholic Church. Very important. And this is why I feel called to do apologetics to explain what does the Catholic Church, you can't love what you don't know. And if we continue to to not know the Catholic Church, we're not going to love it. In fact, we're going to hate it. And that's what Fulton Sheen said. So we've got to come to know it. We are not saying Mary is the mediator to God the Father, that she's going to get you to heaven, that she's going to save you, even though that's written everywhere. That's what the Catholics teach. It is not. The only purpose of Mary is to get us to Jesus, who then gets us to the Father. You see the difference? Man, sorry. I get worked up over that one. That one, that one gets me. Now... This leads us to this whole co-redemptress. Mary is a co-redemptress, not meaning she redeemed us, she died on the cross, or that she's equal to Jesus. Mark Maravalli explains it. He says it reveals to us in Scripture <clears throat> that the Blessed Mother is co redemptrix How? At the Annunciation. Mary said yes to the angel, and thereby yes to God, giving her fiat. She gives to the redeemer, the instrument of redemption, his body. That means she worked with God to bring about redemption. Thus she, thus she is co-redemptress. Co, meaning with, not greater or equal to. She is not the redeemer, but she participated in redemption. This is what's powerful. Let's look at our next slide. So this is what we say when Mary, as mother of mercy, is co-redemptrix, we also call her mediatrix of graces. How's that? The grace doesn't come from Mary. The grace comes only from God, but the same with Jesus. Jesus came from God, but he came to the world through Mary. The grace comes from God, but it comes to the world through Mary. She's the neck. In his encyclical, Redemptoris Mater, in 1987, John Paul II called her the mediatrix, mediatrix of mercy. If we think of ourselves as the little children of God's family, and this is what Jesus said we must do, it is only stands to reason that we are dependent upon the mother in God's family, Mary, our mother, to mediate to us. (gasps) How dare you call her a mediator? Mediate to us. That means to pass on. Guess what, everybody? Have you ever signed a piece of paper, put it in an envelope and said, hey, would you give this to Johnny for me? Could you pass this on to Johnny? (gasps) You're a mediator. You're a mediator. Do you think if anything went wrong? And something, let's suppose there had to be, unfortunately, there was a crime, and inside that envelope was anthrax. Anthrax didn't come from the person, but they would question that person because they passed down that message. They were a mediator, they passed out, they were involved. That's a mediation means you're involved. And so John Paul two says that means to mediate. Mary mediated to us. That means pass it on everything that we need. We see the beginning of Mary's unique role in salvation history, salvific mediation of the Christ at the annunciation where she gave her consent to be the theotokos, right? The God bearer. And she mediates to the world, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? She mediates to the world, Jesus Christ. She passed on. She passed it on. That's the meaning of mediation. What Paul says that there's only one mediator, Jesus Christ, he's talking about to get you into the Trinity, the inner life of the Trinity. That's what Paul's talking about. That would would be the meaning of what Paul's trying to teach us. But no, not any form of mediation. Otherwise, he would have used monos and not eos. All right? The savior and author of all the graces, Jesus Christ. But it came to the world through Mary. Hence, she's the mediatrix of grace. right? Jesus gives all graces to us, and Jesus came to us through Mary, subordinate, but through her. Thus, it is in the virtue of Mary's yes that he who is the source of, and mediation of all graces meaning he gives it the mediation of all graces of redemption came to the human family through her that's important mary's moral and physical mediation of christ all right what was her moral mediation yes fiat what was her physical mediation she gave jesus his body that brought the world all the grace from which flows all grace from heaven, which constitutes us. So Mary is a co-mediatrix of grace. Let's look at our next slide. Pius XII said, the maternal mediation of Mary. (gasps) He's calling Mary a mediator. Yeah, he did. The maternal mediation of Mary and bringing to the lost world its Savior was already prophesied in Genesis 3.15. That's why the video we watched earlier, he didn't have any clue what the word, why Jesus called her woman. It was not to discredit her or to dismiss her. It was to honor her above all women. You are going to undo everything Eve messed us up. So he goes on to say, we're the woman would bring to the world, as mother, the seed of victory over Satan. It is Mary, the new Eve, who by physically mediating to us the new Adam, Jesus, source of our salvation and grace. Makes perfect sense, everybody. Again, Satan overthrew both sexes, a man and a woman. Didn't overthrow just a man, then we would only need a man redeemer. He didn't overthrow just a woman, or we would have just a woman redeemer. He overthrew the man and the woman. We had the new Adam, Jesus, and the new Eve, Mary. Not equal to, but through her. This is what's important. Satan overthrew both sexes. He'll take both sexes to liberate. Now, in short, Mary is the mother of our Savior, is rightly called co-redemptrix, and the co-mediatrix of all his grace. Because again, co-cum in Latin, C-U-M, means with, not equal to. Jesus, yes, as I said, is the only mediator to the Father. But as I said, there are many ways to Jesus. So Mary is playing a unique role in God's plan. She brought all of us to Jesus. Or I should say, she brought Jesus to all of us. His mercy, this is what she brought us. So like any true and loving mother, her children can trustfully and completely be dependent upon her to bring all that is needed. A good mom will bring you what you need. Mary brings you what you need. Now, your mom was a mediator. She fed you as an infant you couldn't eat on your own. She was a mediator to give you that life grace. Well, what did that grace come from? God. But how did that life get sustained? Through your mother? Why is it so hard to see this? I'm flabbergasted. And that's all that Mary's mediation really means. Is that she helps us to get to her son. It sounds complex, but it's really simple. Doesn't come from her. She just delivers it. She's the ultimate delivery person. That's what mediation means, to pass on. Another reason we call Mary the mother of mercy is that during her life on earth, she performed works of mercy as an example, as a disciple of Christ. All right, we're getting near the end here. I'm running behind. You know, Faustina, she turned to Mary. Mary is my instructress who is ever teaching me how to live for God. That's what Mary uh, Faustina said. Let's look at a quote from from St. Faustina. All right, the next slide. All right. I desire, and this was a message that she report, uh, she was talking to Mary. So Faustina had a vision of Mary. You might not know this. And Mary said to her, I desire, my dearly beloved daughter, that you practice the three virtues that are dearest to me and most pleasing to God. The first is humility, 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 and once again, humility. The second virtue, purity. The third virtue, love of God. As my daughter, you must especially radiate with these virtues. You know, Mary teaches us that humility is the only good soil on which any growth can happen. In other words, how can God fill us with his grace if we are already ourselves filled? This biblical scholar laughing at Cana, he says, Can you believe this is the passage Catholics look at to justify Mary? He laughed at it. Um, Again, biblical scholar, you have no clue on the meaning of Cana. The whole meaning of the empty jars is until we become empty, God isn't able to fill us. We got to empty ourselves. And so God can fill us. And who helped God fill them? Mary. This is huge. But instead, he scoffs at it, laughs at it, and says, can you believe this is what the Catholics point to about Mary? Yeah. Because that passage really summarizes Mary's role. It's called intercession. Amazing. All right, so what about Queen of Heaven? This is a big one for people. How dare you call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Mary the Queen of Heaven is not in the Bible. This was foreshadowed, however, also at the time of the Annunciation. Yes, it was. Gabriel told Mary that her son would reign forever as Messiah. Let's listen to this. This is fascinating. He will be great and called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Luke 1, 32. Now, let's look at our next slide. It's kind of similar to our painting of the Trinity here see how uh, the trinity is crowning mary guess what they're crowning her they the crowning her as queen what do you do with the queen you crown her who do you crown a queen all right now if mary's son was to inherit the everlasting kingdom this applies that mary was to become literally the queen mother why For we know for a fact that in ancient Israel, the queen was not the wife of the king. The queen was the mother. She had the title and the role of queen mother. This is in scripture. Listen to Dr. Miravali again. Great Mariology teacher. Real quick, I want to read this real quick. Because the kings of Israel normally had numerous wives, the mother of the kingdom was, the mother of the king was chosen to be the queen of the kingdom due to her relationship with the king. So all of us always think of the queen being the wife of the king. Not in Israel. The queen was the mother. She assisted the king in the ruling of the kingdom. Oh, that's interesting. And in her noble office as queen mother. Don't believe me? Second Kings 11.3 and 1 Kings 2.19. The office and the authority of the queen mother in her close relationship with the king, made her the strongest advocate to the king. Sound familiar? For the people of the kingdom, no one had more intercessory power to the king than the queen mother. Hear that? (gasps) Could it be Cana? Yep. Cana's the perfect example. Why isn't Mr. Biblical Scholar connecting what happened to Cana with what happened in 2 Kings 1 3 11 3 or 1st kings 2 19. How come that connection wasn't being made? The queen mother also had the function of counselor. That's interesting. To the king in regards to matters of the kingdom. This is Proverbs 31 and um, also uh, Chronicles 22. The Old Testament image and role of the queen mother, the great lady, was an advocate to the king for the people of the kingdom. And this foreshadows the role of the great queen mother, the lady of the New Testament, Mary. For it is Mary of Nazareth who becomes the queen and mother of the king. Who is the king? Jesus. She is the mother of him, the king of all nations. That makes her the mother of all nations, the mother of the king. This is how the church fathers saw it we're just going to dismiss that. And you know, it's funny because this is how it was in the Davidic kingdom. And what line does David, does Jesus come from? David. Jesus comes from the line of David at the foot of the cross. That's why he received his role. John received from Jesus. Jesus said from the cross, woman, behold thy son. And according to that video, he's basically saying, I'm done with you now. I dismiss you. We no longer have a relationship. I about fell out of my chair this morning. That's what the belief of Catholic teaching is. That's how they believe it. Unbelievable. All right. So um, he says here, behold thy mother. According to the ancient fathers of the church, all Christians, all Christian believers were prefigured in this loving disciple who stood beneath the cross and to whom Jesus said, behold your mother, you too are to behold your mother. Thus, Mary was given to you not only, or was given not only as John's mother, but our mother too. That is what Mary consecration is, saying yes to that gift, saying yes to Jesus, I accept the gift you gave me. Jesus said, take her into your home. What do you do with a gift? Here, here's something for you. Take it into your home. One of my employees got me a beautiful carved thing of the University of Michigan. Here's a gift. Would you like to take it home? Yeah. Did I look at that and say, you know, now it's Ohio state maybe, but no, just kidding. So a gift saying yes to Jesus's gift of Mary is Mary consecration. It's not putting Mary equal to God or, or, or seeing Mary as God. It's basically saying yes to the gift God gave you on the cross. Take her into your home. Yes or no? The point that I'd like to make is this video saying, I'm done with you. I dismiss you. Misses the whole biblical meaning. And it certainly wouldn't want to be my position to deny a gift of God. Why would we ever want to say no to a gift of God? But that's exactly what's happening to most of our fallen away Catholic brethren. All right. So what would this, this, that Mary was given not only John, but as our mother too. So what could this mean if it did not mean that she meant to be our mother in heaven, because she's not physically here for us. You can't physically take her into your home. She's not alive anymore on earth. Well, that, well then father, how could she be? How could you take her into your heart if she's not alive at all? She is alive, but where in heaven, so, this has to mean that she is alive for us and must be heaven. That's why she's the queen of heaven. All right? Why Mother of God matters, Trent Horn of Catholic Answer said. What we believe about Jesus falls apart if we consider it apart from Mary's divine maternity. Many say Mary was just the vessel of the son who used to come. You ever hear that? I get that all the time. Mary was just a vessel. Okay? So was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was just a vessel. To hold the law of God. But it was so sacred that when the man touched it, he died in the Old Testament. Remember the guy, the poor guy that went and straightened the ark? Bam, not dead. Because he touched it. Mary, if if you think it was just a vessel, you think God, who struck a guy dead for touching the ark of the old covenant, which was just a vessel, is going to let the ark of the new covenant be food for worms? the new ark that brought the god man to the world is going to be allowed to be eaten by worms well that would show a little bit of non-sovereignty of god you know i'm really not god because you know my own vessel got eaten up by worms no of course not she's more than a vessel she has jesus's dna in her if one doesn't understand how christ's mother is related to him then one is certain to fall into a heresy that denies the incarnation. Last half, last half a page. You guys have been great. Almost done. Last half a page. All right. So how could Jesus be born of a woman? We said Galatians 4.4. And be like us in all things except for sin, which is Hebrews 4.15, if he was not genetically related to his mother. Hmm. Those who say Mary gave birth only to Christ's body Or his humanity must also claim that the second person of the Trinity never existed in Mary's womb. So how did the divine person get there then? If the the second person of the Trinity never existed in Mary's womb, and she only gave birth to to the humanity of Jesus, then what do you do with this divinity? How did it get to earth? You ever think about that? Oh, well, Mary only gave birth to the humanity of Jesus. Okay, then how did his divinity get to earth? Because the divinity was walking around on earth. So how did the divinity get here? Well, some say Jesus only became God at his baptism. That's the heresy of adoptionism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, then he became the son of God. He was adopted at his baptism. Heresy rejected. Protestant apologist Matt Slick even said the term mother of God runs the risk of suggesting that Mary is somehow divine and part of the Godhead. He didn't believe it was. He just says people will be misinformed. Well, so that means we can't teach it because people may not understand it. I have to teach against abortion, even if people don't understand it's wrong. I have to teach against contraception, even though people might not know it's wrong. I have to teach against transgenderism, even though people might get it wrong and misunderstand it. That's the whole purpose of God making me a priest. He made me a priest so that I would teach the truth. Now, he personally took the one with the biggest mouth he could find. And I'm convinced that's why God made me a priest but I couldn't do this if I didn't believe every single word of it. I could not do 18 hour days, seven days a week. If I didn't believe every single word of it, I could not do what I do. If you didn't believe it, if I was working um, at some job, like I used to designing rear axles for vehicles. And that was great. I couldn't do what I'm doing now. And I was half my age. How could I be twice as old and doing twice as much? Because I believe in it. I believe in it. Every single word. I've been studying this stuff for 25 years. There's no hole. The Catholic faith is like a jigsaw puzzle. Every time somebody tries to find a piece that doesn't fit, it fits. Every time you just try to disprove it, it fits. That's why Scott Hahn, he set out to disprove the Catholic faith, became a Catholic. That's why Stephen Ray, when he set out to disprove the Catholic faith, became a Catholic. That's why Tim Staples set out to disprove the Catholic faith, became a Catholic. Most of the people go the other way. Well, Father, there's just as many Catholics leaving. That's because they don't understand it. I've never yet met one, one person who fully understood the Catholic faith and left it. Well, Father, I know a lot of people left the Catholic faith. So do I. One of my fraternity brothers, out of the blue, heard I was a priest. Somebody sent him a YouTube video or something. He said, "I can't believe you're a priest." I'm like, "Either can I." Don't worry about that. And he said, oh, "I just struggle. I, I just, I can't, I can't deal with it. I left the Catholic Church." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Because I just can't worship Mary." Really? Neither can I. He left the Catholic Church because he believed we worship Mary. Anybody who truly understands Catholic faith does not leave it. But anybody who is outside of the Catholic Church and truly then understands it, comes to it. Scott Hahn, Stephen Ray, Deacon Alex Jones, Tim Staples, the list goes on and on. These are all high up Protestant preachers and teachers and ordained ministers. And so this is what's so fascinating. So. This is what we have. And so anyway, um, this this Matt Slick said, basically we should not call Jesus the son of God because it runs the risk that people be confused. That God had a wife and that God engaged in sexual relations with Mary. Well, that means we shouldn't teach the truth. He said, well, people will misunderstand it. Well, I still got to teach it. Whether you want to believe it or not. Mormons... They believe this. Many Muslims reject the Incarnation precisely because they think it entails that God physically had Jesus through Mary, that they had sexual relations. That's not church teaching. They also reject the Catholic faith because they say that that we have three gods. We do not have three gods. All right, these examples show that a doctrine should not be rejected just because it's misunderstood. It needs to be taught. If, there, if that were the case, most of our faith, most of our doctrines wouldn't exist at all. And so the last couple of things, uh, Faustina. Let's take our next, our next slide. I love this. St. Faustina and Mary as her mother. In heaven, we have a father, God the Father. We have a brother, Jesus. Am I not a mother? Why would God create a family with a mother on earth and not expect to have a mother in heaven? she's not part of the Trinity, but she intercedes for us. She was, you know, she's there to help us. Jesus gave us as a gift. You know, she's not the mother of divine punishment. She's the mother of mercy. I, you know why I think God created Mary? This is my personal view. I think God created Mary as a loophole to his own justice. You know why? Because God is justice and mercy. And the very fact that God is justice and mercy he can't forget that he is justice. And so we have, atone, we have to atone for our sins. We have to, there are consequences to our sins. Non-Catholics don't want to believe that. Jesus did it on the cross. I can do whatever I want. No, you have consequences. The Bible tells us I can put you a thousand passages, but I believe God created Mary as his own loophole because he is justice and mercy, the source of both, Guess what he made Mary? The vessel of mercy. So that if I go to Mary, I don't have to face justice. She takes what I need and goes to the Father purely for his mercy. She's not the mother of divine wrath. She's the mother of mercy. So God created her, I believe, as his own loophole to avoid his own justice. God's so Dad wants to give you his mercy and avoid his justice that he even created the vessel by which to do it. Mary. To me, fascinating. All right, now, So St. Faustina, she knows what it's like, she told, she's talking about Mary. Basically, she knows what it's like to suffer the seven sorrows of Mary. She understands what she goes through. St. Faustina said this, and St. Faustina consecrated her whole being to Mary. Did you know this? Entrusting her life to Mary with these words. She said this in Diary 79, Mary, my mother and my lady, I offer you my soul, my body, my life, and my death, and all that will follow it, I place everything in your hands, for what, if you go on reading further, to give to Jesus? She's not the Savior. Faustina never said that. I trust her to get me safely to Jesus. When Faustina went to chestohova to pray there before the great icon of Our Lady, she wrote Diary Entry 260. I bet you didn't know this. And in front of the icon. The mother of God told me many things, she said. I entrusted my perpetual vows to her. I felt that I was her child and she was my mother. She did not refuse any of my requests because she's all mercy. So let's look at our next slide. Toward the end of Faustina's life, Mary encouraged her to place complete trust, all right? And saying to her, this was entry 1414, all right? My daughter, uh, I'm sorry, 1415, my daughter, At God's command, I am to be in a special way, exclusive way, your mother. But I desire that you too, in a special way, be my child. God assigned her as our mother. All right, this is amazing. So St. Faustina's childlike trust was through Mary. Now in Diary 315, Faustina prayed, Mother of God, your soul was plunged into a sea of bitterness, Look upon your child and teach her to suffer and to love while suffering. Fortify my soul that pain may not break it. Mother of grace, teach me to live by the power of God. So to wrap up here, it is not surprising, therefore, that the mother of God often appeared to St. Faustina, spoke to her, especially before having taken Holy Communion. In Diary 840, she says, I am spending this time with the mother of God and preparing myself for the solemn coming of the Lord Jesus, the Lord. The mother of God is instructing me in the interior life of the soul with Jesus, especially in Holy Communion. Be prepared by being in a state of grace. And now I finally finish with the quote. This is from biblical scholar, a real biblical scholar, Timothy George. Let's read what he says. The last thing today. The Blessed Virgin Mary, an evangelical perspective is what he was quoting from. It is time for evangelicals to recover a fully biblical appreciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary and her role in salvation history. Evangelicals can and should join the Catholic Church in celebrating the Virgin Mary as the mother of God, the God-bearer, or as Yaroslav Pelikan suggests, that we might better render Theotokos, the one who gave birth to the one who is God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. God bless you for this special day, the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. Um, You know, we would be remiss if we didn't say, join us. Uh, Brother Mark, if you can show it on the screen, go to micprayers.org. And just like Mary intercedes for us, the Marian Fathers will intercede for you. There is no cost, takes no but a few seconds. Sign up, become a Marian helper, and you too can see many graces come into your life through our prayers, penances, masses, rosaries, just like Mary interceding in a lesser way, but through the name, Marian's of the Immaculate Conception, you'll get the fullness of her intercession. And so the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. The, the talk is ended. Thanks be to God.
2: Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world.